Podcast. When we say love is the most healing energy in the world, it truly is. Because we see this in science. We see this proven again and again. But here's always the kicker that everybody thinks is that it's me loving the kids. It's not me loving the kids. It's me loving me. It's me knowing and understanding the energetic love that I am. Welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna Podcast. This podcast is meant to encourage you to connect within so you can share your light with the world. And now, here's your host, Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Welcome, beautiful souls, to another episode of the Cosmic Love Antenna. Another guest, another day, another deep dive into the world of love and how it embodies itself through our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies. Today, as always, here on the podcast, I have a beautiful soul, a beautiful spirit, a beautiful energy to share with you. A wonderful friend, a wonderful colleague who I'm going to get to in two seconds. But before we jump into it, I just want to share gratitude, love, and embrace with everyone listening. It's been an adventure thus far recording these episodes for all of you. And I just wanted to give an update that I'm so grateful, I'm so loving, and I'm so I'm so excited with this process and the flood of attention and people interested in this in this pod, podcast and how it's exploded. So a bit of gratitude, a bit of love. And with that, I want to introduce this powerful woman that I cannot wait to share with you today. My friend Jacqueline Way is a keynote TEDx speaker. She speaks in Canada. She speaks around the world, maybe not so much anymore, but she has that history, has that pedigree. She is the founder of an organization called 365 Give, which we'll get into today. And probably most importantly of all, she's a powerful, intuitive, mystical mother. Jacqueline, welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna. I I love that. No one has ever described me as mystical. So that's my new, I'm stepping into that one. That's going to be a new role I step into as my mystical self. Keep me keep me updated with that, Jacqueline. Because I like that new the, role that's going in my bio. Yeah, keep me updated with the, how that mystical uh, mystical moniker moves through you. Because often, like you know, when we receive names from people, from shamans, from mentors, they often mm-hmm. see things that we don't until we see them. Right. Well, that so, would be you always. So that's perfect. <laughs> perfect timing. Perfect. All right. <laughs> You know what? I I always I always um, feel that when the bells go off, those are your angels. You know, just giving you that little wink and a little nod. So you that are, was the wink and the nod. Yeah, you say that like semi jokingly, but for people, no, listening, no, no, that no, is no a, I, it's not. It's a real thing. That's a, <laughs> oh no, it's a thing. It's yeah, a thing for sure. and we'll, so we'll that probably was definitely it. <laughs> yeah, people are probably getting their energy of that already. So, Jacqueline, absolutely. How I start these chats is really getting putting a foundation with who you are i know you very well but people tuning in people getting to hear your beautiful voice uh this might be the first time that they're feeling your energy so what i want to do is i want to give you the space right now and you know we don't have to do this long we don't have to do this short i just want you to talk about what comes up when i add these prompts here i want to hear a little bit about what has made you the beautiful woman that you are here today, mm-hmm. right? You can speak about your children. We'll get into that more later, but yeah. also maybe bring in a bit about, you know, your, your TEDx speaking and all of that history. Cause I know it's a big part of what you do in the world mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when we, we talk about who we are for me, I always go back um, because you and I have very similar beliefs and I believe that I may spiritual being having a human experience and I'm so clear on that and so the beautiful part about that is when you come from that perspective and that belief system is when you look back over your life you can see all the beautiful little dots and moments and all of the connections that continue to lead you to right where you are in this moment today and so when I say go back I don't go back for the sake of reliving past trauma or anything else I do it for the fun 
to go, oh yeah, that moment. And then that moment. And oh, that led me to that moment. And so it's really beautiful for me. And I, part of my belief system, so much came from my parents and and that's where it really started. And as much as a lot of people would go, oh yeah, the trauma from my past, I had parents who were divorced when I was quite young. It was very traumatic as, as any child goes through. Jacqueline, for me, Jacqueline, yes. let me jump in there. Why is that yeah. important? Why did you go straight back to the belief systems for people that might be, mm. I know you go there because we spent a lot of time together, yeah. but why did you start this journey with the belief systems? Why is that an important place to begin? Well, because if you're walking around on this planet in this human experience, to me, if you don't have a belief in something more than what you are, it's a struggle. You get stuck in what I call the outside world. You get stuck in everything that's going on um, around you and outside of you. And you don't have an opportunity to find, and you and I were talking about this today, and it's a conversation I continue to have with one of my kids. You don't find your home inside yourself. This is this is very important, Jacqueline. And we're going to hit on this later with some of the other questions I want to ask you. But our belief systems can both be our jail and our freedom. And you just talked about it then in terms of if we have a healthy belief system with something more than ourselves, it's very liberating. It's very expansive and can take us back to that heart space. Mm -hmm. However, and you were hitting on this with your childhood, with your parents a little bit, a lot of us are very unconscious to the belief systems that are running our lives until we reach a wall where pain is thrusted into our face, where we have no other direction to look, but at them. So, Jacqueline, I know I'm interrupting here, but I, I no, want to. No, I love I, that. Pulling, I want you to do that. I'm pulling out pieces that I really, I've heard you speak so much, and I really want people to sit with these words. Keep going with your story. So, you know, you you have this belief, these belief systems that are being constructed. Where What else is rippling up here? Right. So, you know, this is when we can start, when we go back in our lives and we can say, oh, this was a traumatic event. We talk about trauma. It was a traumatic event. When I go back and I look at my life for key, um, let's say milestones, uh, moments in my life, when I look at my parents' divorce, I say, what a gift it was for me. Whereas most people would say, oh my God, it changed my life. Well, I'm not. I look at it as a gift because I had two parents who chose what the right path was for them, which in that moment shows me that no matter what goes on in my own life, you always choose the path that's going to make you happiest. And in that choosing, you're choosing yourself. And so I saw this in my parents because I had a father who was a remarkably dedicated doctor. And I had a mother who wanted to go still in the area of service, but a completely different direction. Massage therapist, NLP therapist. This was in a time in the world where these things were considered woo-woo, taboo, you know, all it's, of these things. It's funny to think that now we're so at now, funny, right? right? Where every other person's an NLP therapist these days, right? And massage therapy is a form of, you know, therapy for your body when you're injured or not, or just regular therapy, right? I mean, it's amazing to think, but my mother, she showed me the clarity and the strength that when you believe in something that is going to be so good for human beings, she was willing to lose her marriage, walk away from her children, all because she knew that what she had to do was right for her. And what a beautiful gift. And for most people, they just go, oh, you know, blew the marriage part, blew the family part. Not at all for me. I was the opposite of go do what you need to do. I'm good. I got this. You know, I was nine years old, but I was, I got this. I can take care of myself. And so what a beautiful um, upbringing, contrasting and upbringing that I had, that I had two people so dedicated to the service of others, so completely different where one was very traditional, hardcore, masculine, you know, get her done no matter what. 
And then my other side, my feminine side, like they're, they're the perfect representation mm. of who I am today. And, and, and my and woo-woo, these, right? My, my and, spiritual and, woo-woo side. And of the innate energies that were wanting to be fostered inside of you, right? Often Completely, we over, totally. we overlook that. Now our parents, they, they all, they're always doing their best, right? And I'm not taking away mm. from if you are the kind of person that's had a very beautiful perfect and i'm very careful with those words i don't think there's such word as a perfect upbringing but even if you are someone that has a very has had a tumultuous you know heavy intense upbringing our parents are a perfect representation they help us with that divine feminine divine masculine Mm -hmm. that's inside of us right and they're the first representations of that absolutely jacqueline i want to fast forward a little bit here because i'm really i really want to hear about two events in your story because i think they're very, it's more of a selfish thing for me, but I know that other people can get value out of this. You, you became a, a TEDx speaker and you started speaking about, I think the theme, one of the themes is happiness, right? Surprise, surprise. So I'm interested whether it's the upbringing, whether it's the, the belief systems or maybe something else that occurred. How did you land at that point to be giving a, a conversation, a speech about such an important conversation? Absolutely. So the TEDx talk is called How to Be Happy Every Day. It will change the world. And it was actually based on a parenting project that I started with my son when he was just three years old. And I'm an adoptive parent. And so the um, really uh, interesting thing about that process is it gets you really clear on who you're going to be as a parent. And so the beautiful thing about that is one of the questions they asked us was, is, you know, what are your expectations for your children? Well, you know, the average person might say, oh, I want them to be a lawyer when they grow up. I want them to be able to go to school. I want them to have opportunities. I was, I want my kid to grow up to be a kind, compassionate, loving human being. That was it. If, if I could accomplish that in my lifetime, it was a good day. And to me, I would be, have accomplished what I wanted to accomplish as a parent. But what I also know is that we can't put any expectations on anybody unless we're not willing to model the behavior and we're not willing to actually teach what we potentially want them to learn in their lifetime. So at the age of three, my son and I, it was actually a third birthday, we started this project, which we called 365 Give. It started as a blog, but what it really started was as a daily giving activity between my son and I. And we did one thing to give back to the world every day for 365 days. It had to be so simple, a three-year-old could do it. And the beautiful part about this journey was, is I just followed the breadcrumbs. So it was like, it was all like, I wish I could tell, I know you would understand this. Even when I was coming up with like a name for this and what I was going to call the blog, I was running through with friends and we were talking about it and what we were going to do. And then one day it just came, it was a direct download, download. flat out. I knew it 365 give it. and nobody, and everybody was like, that's perfect. That's it. 365 give it. And it's that interesting. It. It's interesting, Jacqueline, with this story, the, the connection of your child, right? The connection and the, the stimulus and the origin and the, you know, the, the pushing force of it both starting and it continuing. And I want people to maybe sit with this idea. If you're a parent or maybe you're around children a lot, it's very easy for us to see them as just this thing that's growing in the corner. And yes, we might, of course, have feelings and emotions and connection and attachment to them. But we often overlook the spiritual guidance and wisdom that these little beings can give us. And I think your beautiful story, Jacqueline, and the way that this manifested is a beautiful example of that. And if we truly lean in, then we can receive the gifts that we deserve both ways. Does that resonate, Jacqueline? Well, completely, because, you know, this little man was, and I tell the story often, you know, my first child, when I found out I wasn't able to have children of my own, as much as in the moment I felt sad for a moment, there was no doubt in my mind whatsoever that adoption I, was for Jacqueline, me. Let me interrupt yeah. you because I didn't know this about you. What, that not being able to have children, yeah. can you tell me a bit about that? Because I'm interested oh, in yeah. how this connects because I have a question, but what? Sure. tell me about that. You know, it's really interesting because if you had asked me, I've always been in the world of philanthropy. 
it's just, it's been my thing since my early twenties. I've just, it's what I've done. It's been my business. It's always been around me. And I've always said, and people always just laugh at me. I always said, you know, I'm that person who could just, I could go to Africa and I could be in an orphanage. Like I could run an orphanage. That's who I was. And so when I met my husband and we instantly knew we wanted a family, it was that connection. I was like, it was like beeline. It was like, oh yeah, that's it. It's like, okay, next phase of the life, going to have kids. Absolutely. No doubt. I was the one that would sit and like manifestation. Here we go. Imagine myself pregnant, getting pregnant, all those moments, all that great stuff until we didn't, you know? And, and when we saw the specialist and he was like, you know, your chances of getting pregnant are about 10%. And that's after you've put about $25,000 down. I'm like, oh no, I can adopt an orphanage for that kind of money. I'm good. <laughs> and what I really didn't want to do is I didn't want to do it to my body because what I know is that putting all the chemicals that happen with in vitro is so hard on your body. And that's just not who I was. And so it was like, there was not a, I'm like, great, we're just going to adopt. There was no, there was tell no me, doubt. To tell me about that. About Jacqueline. That's my, yeah. that's my question right there, because the reason I want, I sort of, uh, I felt like the need to go into this story right here is that I'm sure that there are many women or even men with women in their lives right now in this state that we're at in this industrial age can relate to this challenge of being unable to produce life. Right. And we could go down many tangents and reasons for that. But what I think is powerful from a very spiritual perspective is that if a soul wants to come through, the soul will come through. And that soul could come through the actual normal birth process, or that soul could come in another way. So, Jacqueline, tell me about this. So, tell me about this knowing that you had of on the outside receiving very, very seemingly just so much bad news, but then knowing, right. Then knowing that there was still something to come. You know, I think what it is for what it was for me is first of all, it was a feeling because a lot of people adoption scares them. They're worried about having someone else's child. That was actually never even a consideration in my mind. I never thought of it because for me, it was just how could I not love a child? Like it was, it just wasn't a consideration, but I'll let you know, for my husband, it was a very different struggle. And it was really interesting. The words that me and a friend finally found that worked for him. And it changed the way he looked at adoption and what was possible. And they're words that you will understand. And they were the words of, I know how big your heart is and how much you can love. And there was no doubt in my mind that the moment you meet your child, that is going to come right through you. And it's exactly what happened. But it was in that moment that he stood back and he went, I do have that capacity for love. Because he didn't, what was holding him back was the fear of, I don't know who this child is going to be. But when he removed that and stood in his capacity for love, it changed everything. It changed absolutely everything. And, and that is the message that I always give to people when I'm talking about adoption is your capacity for love is so much greater than you realize. And it's in those moments when you stand in who you truly are, which to me is just pure love. There's no doubt. And that's what my son taught me and why we've taken this journey together, because I literally pulled him in. He knew I loved him so much before he was ever born. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know if he was going to be a girl or a boy. I didn't know what cultural background he was going to have. I didn't even know if he would have all his fingers and toes before I called him in. But I spent literally the time of gestation. So eight and a half months, it was exactly the time he was born was in eight and a half months. I spent those eight and a half months because it was from the time I started the adoption process to the time he came home was eight and a half months. And every day for eight and a half months, I was already pregnant in my own mind. And I spent every single day with him. I would take time in 
we can call it meditation in daydreaming in my imagination. I would spend time with him every single day. And then he just, without any doubt in my mind, he just came. He just came to the point. Everybody was like, you just won the lottery. And I went, oh no, I pulled him right in. I I got this. I was so clear on it. So if you're listening and you're tuning into Jacqueline's beautiful story and it sounds, you're attached to it, but it sounds very, okay, this is, this is, how do I attain this? How is this? How can I conceptualize this? And I want to go back to the name of this podcast, the name of this podcast and the, the, this, this conversation, this platform that I'm trying to build here is the cosmic love antenna. And this deep sense of love that we have inside of us is an attractor beam. And it's not just an attractor beam for healing. It's not just an attractor beam for maybe financial abundance. And it's an attractor beam for everything that you deserve to be joyful and happy in this world. And when Jacqueline is talking about closing her eyes and manifesting this beautiful little being that she already knows she deserves, that is what she's tapping into. She's tapping into her place of profound love. Where I'm interested here, Jacqueline, that I think listeners can also maybe get some deeper reflection and maybe connect to on a, on a different kind of level. But you have, you have three, both all sons, correct? They're all the boys. I, I have, well, I'd like to say I have five. So I have three boys that live with me, but my sons have two biological sisters who I get beautiful amounts of time with as well. So they're kind of our extended family and pulled them all in. Like it was, it was easy. It was once you got one, like once one comes, you're so connected at that point and you're so in deep understanding of what's possible the doubt flows away and everything flows everything just flows in and so we can use that word manifesting which I know some people can get stuck on at times but really what I loved what you said it was the love that attracted it and so when you say it was a love antenna you could probably have stuck one outside of my head and you probably could have measured it if at that time they could have measured well, the love that comes off my that heart. You, it's interesting that you say measure, Jacqueline, right? because you know very well from some of the things we've talked about, and I've mentioned it on the mm-hmm. podcast before, that you know, the Heart Math Institute, where they actually now are measuring, not coming out of your head, but coming out, out of your that, heart. that frequency of that heart space, right? Mm-hmm. But let me, I want to- I'm going to show something. you something. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Just for show those me. that do end up seeing this. Yeah. There is my heart math. This is my little contraption that actually now does that for me and measures what's coming off of my heart. And it's beautiful at that time when I adopted my son, that was not available, but it is available to do now. Yeah. And it makes us look, when you project into the future, I get so excited about how much heart science, heart exploration is going to come, right? Of of not just the heart math, but other 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 Just beautiful started. minds, right? Mm, but Jacqueline, started. let me step back here because I want to hit yeah. on an element here. But all three of your sons are on the spectrum. They are. They have something called fetal alcohol syndrome disorder, which okay. is something similar to autism. It's it's a spectrum disorder. And was that, this? And my uh, question here, yeah. Jacqueline, was this a part of your manifesting, or was this a no. lovely extra? This was an addition? extra bonus. It was a beautiful extra addition that just comes came with the territory in this case. So this is what I want to talk about. I want to I want to dive into this. I want to I want to get your experience as a mother with these three little beings, but I also want to maybe go deeper into some maybe misconceptions, maybe some as a society we view people on the spectrum as. So I guess where I want to start here, Jacqueline. What has your experience as not just the adopted mother of these little beings been like, but what it has been like with them being on the spectrum? It's it's two sides of the stick, right? So at times, remarkably challenging, right? So when people always used to say me say to me when they were little, because I had, you know, they were they were quite little. My two little ones are just ten months apart. They're called Irish twins. Um, so they were really, when I had babies, I had like one four-year-old and two little babies. And people always used to say to me, oh my God, I don't believe what you do, you know, and how you do it. You know, at that time, I didn't know what I did was actually so hard. 
because I didn't know any differently. I didn't know what it was like to have children that weren't on the spectrum, which is pretty funny. I didn't find out till a number of years later. So I just did what I thought every mother does and got on with it and do what you do and taught them in a way. And I'm glad I didn't know because I taught them like any mother would with a belief and a knowing that they were brilliant just the way they were. And so that was the one beautiful thing that came from it. The other most beautiful thing that comes from it is, first of all, I believe, and you know, I talked about this earlier with my son who was three, what a beautiful light, right? What an amazing little human being to come into this world. And I tell him this all of the time that he was born to not only inspire me to do 365 Give, Mm -hmm. but the millions of people that we have touched through this work. Whether he participates in it or not, helps me run it or not, any of those, it doesn't matter. He was born for the single reason to inspire millions of people all over the world. Wow. Jacqueline, this is... This is what I want people to hear. And I want to be, put a disclaimer on what I'm about to say here. I do not overlook, you know, very real sort of mental challenges, mental disorders, mental diseases, mental conditions. Do not overlook them. In my work, I try to view every challenge as a holistic challenge. So every, everything needs to be kept within its sort of understanding and not overlooked. However, within that same mindset, we also now have to understand that is a mental challenge, is a mental disorder, is a, you know, cognitive, you know, obstacle. Is it only that? Is it only an obstacle? Is it only a hindrance? Is it only a challenge? And I would hazard and I would challenge, challenge, lovingly challenge everyone listening, either whether you have someone in your life with autism, any, any, mental challenge, ADHD, something going on cognitively, I would lovingly challenge you to look at it from a deeper perspective. And what I'm saying here, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, Jacqueline, is let me just give a quick little story. Before we had all of the powerful, beautiful diagnostic tools that we live in this you know, scientific age with, before we use those to help people with these kinds of challenges, how did we diagnose, how did we treat someone that had some, some kind of inner mental, emotional, or even spiritual challenge? Well, they were taken to a shaman. They were taken to a medicine man, they, a medicine woman, any, someone that dealt with these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And they held the space for what was needing to come through. And this is what I want to ask you, Jacqueline. As a mother who's experienced this, you just gave us an example with the organization. Mm. How have you viewed this conversation? It doesn't sound like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't sound like you ever viewed it as a, as a detriment, as something that was pulling down. It, it sounds no. like it was always something expansive. It, and still is today. You know, it, it's always expansive. And I've said this to my son, I say this to them all in their own ways, is what I get to learn from the way they see the world is remarkable for me to be able to turn around and then use this in my work, the way that I view the world and the way that I can in turn teach other people. You know, you've given me a beautiful opportunity to step into a spiritual role that a year ago, I may have laughed at you about. (laughs) And the fact that we share spaces supporting and sharing our knowledge and wisdom with others at a global scale now in the spiritual realm is amazing to me that I have the ability and knowledge to do that. And I put that to my children for what they've taught me because they've taught me first and foremost, unconditional, unconditional. 
And when you realize that you have unconditional love for another human being, your world changes. Because then you realize you have the ability to love any sentient being. being. Thank sentient. Thank you. Sentient being. So that could be, you know, people will say you have unconditional love for your pet, right? You could have unconditional love for your tree. But when we can look at other human beings with that sense of unconditional love, it changes not only the way we look at the world, but the energetic force that we put out to the world. And that only changes your immediate family, but it then changes every conversation that you have with people. It changes the energetic field in which we share around our planet. It changes the water down at the ocean. It goes from the, the single to the collective, right? It goes from the one mama to the earth mama, right? Jacqueline, this flows really nicely and eloquently into another topic I want to discuss here and really, you know, lean into your, your beautiful intelligence. And just so people know, when I, again, when I first started this platform and podcast, one of my intentions was to bring on not just professionals and people with practice, much like Jacqueline has, but more importantly, bring on deep and powerful voices that we all have so we can feel inspired to feel like we're not alone. We can feel inspired to feel like we're not attached, detached from the collective that we're really here together. And we can feel like that we're one big family. And this is what I want to ask you now here, Jacqueline, the home environment is, and you were hitting on just then from the lessons that you learned from your children. I think we often overlook how, important and how pivotal the home environment is for both the recognition of pain and what we need to move through and also its healing and and empowering components. So I'm wondering, Jacqueline, I, as you know, do a lot of work with the inner child and we've done some work together and we've talked about it in on Clubhouse, in rooms that we've hosted and also work that I've done with you. I'm interested in your perspective on the impact, the home environment as a mother, as a being with children, what is the impact of the home environment on the the pain and the healing with both the children and the parents? Right. Well, first of all, I think what people need to understand, and this has been the really beautiful part of my journey since doing that TED Talk, And, you know, it's really interesting, the topic of that TED Talk, which I said earlier, which is how to be happy every day. And it's been such, so that was six years ago that I did that talk. And when I did that talk, I was learning a lot at that time about neurobiology and neuroscience and how our brains work and things that wire and fire together in our body. And I got really good at understanding both the biology and the neuroscience of being happy. But to swing this back down to back around to your question is what it started to get me to dig into was our emotional reality of our human experience. And when you're a mother of three children with a difference, like my children have, The dysregulation, so that means the swing of emotions from being somewhere in fear and somewhere in love are so dramatic, it's absolutely unbelievable. But here's the really beautiful thing that I learned from all of this is through my understanding about our biology and how we can use our body as this magnetic tool to calm everything in our house down. So I learned how I could regulate my energetic system in turn would regulate everybody in my family. It would regulate my children. It would regulate my husband. And so this is an energetic system that I learned about versus just how do I calm a kid down? 
but how do I calm myself down? Yeah. How do I get so centered that in my centeredness, in my calmness, in my happiness and peace inside of myself, that's how everybody in your family shifts to it and how it changes it all. This is the most single important piece I could share with everyone is when you get that understanding that we can use this as a tool. So you talk about it in our chakras. In the neurodiverse world, we world, we talk about it as regulation. And, and so you can, you can use it in lots of different terms, but to me, it is calm and peace and happiness and a centeredness of your own energy. And when you can stand in that, when everything else is in chaos, that's when you will create the peace in your house and everyone will just, they magnetically come to you just to feel that in you. And my children will run up to me just to wrap their arms around me to feel that energetic calm and peace and love. And this but that's is, a practice. And right? Jacqueline, let me jump in here. So this is not just a this is not just an in the moment thing either. This is not just a Mm-mm. oh, there's things happening, there's things happening in the environment. I need to calm stuff down, get it into my body, all is good. Yes, that's a very powerful point with what you're making. But I would take it. I would. I would take it a step deeper. I would take it a step deeper and realize that, from an ancestral healing perspective, and this is if you've heard me speak before to this, this is one of my favorite sort of topics to hit on, just speaking about in general, but also when people come to see me, we need to realize that forward and backwards healing effect, right, through our own self love, right. Again, I keep coming back to the cosmic love and tether through our act of self love. We heal the external. In this context, we heal, the, we heal our external family. But so if I, ha- let me give an example here. If I realize that I have anger issues in my stomach and I have a little, I have a little son, little, little daughter, and she also coincidentally has challenges in her stomach. She has IBS. And I obviously as a mother or a father want what's best for that little being. And I really want to work out how to help this person through that. I have two options. I could either externally go out into the world, take her to a practitioner, take her to a therapist, help that person with her individual, her individual challenge or option two, which we often overlook here. And this connects to what you're saying, Jacqueline, Mm -hmm. I could work on the challenge in me. Mm -hmm. I work on my anger issues connected to my gut and heal, integrate, release, that impacts her in this moment without her having to do anything. And that is because through the ancestral line, both forwards and backwards, we heal connected. We heal together. So I want to throw it back to you, Jack, because I know you have thoughts on this, but I just, as people listening to this, understand just how much power you have, not just being the breaker of chains for you, but being the breaker of chains for the people in front of you and behind you in your ancestral line. Thoughts, Jacqueline? Well, I just, I just want to make the point of this is that when we're talking about that as well, it doesn't mean it has to be biological either, right? When we're talking Very about important, ancestral you're not, lines. You're not biologically related to your children. Good point. Completely and totally. So, so that can be created with your children, biological or not, which is the really fascinating part for me that I've been able to see that be witness to it and share it is that it doesn't have to be biological. We can do the healing even with their birth mothers by me, first of all, and this is for those of you that this is a little bit off, but I actually, uh, my boys, one, two of my boys, their birth mother recently passed away. I actually called her in recently um, as an energetic, soulful spirit in my life. Cause first of all, I've asked her to, to work with me to always have the boys back because now she can do that. She is in a place and space and in her beingness that she can have my kids back no matter what. Right. And so I love that. I love that. They've got that beautiful soul out there. That's always going to have Jacqueline. Back. I just want to make this clear for people listening. If you're new to this, when Jacqueline says, 
call her in, she is referring to, and she spoke to it, the spirit, the the energetic body, the the being that this person is. I we can call it the ghost or angel. Yeah, angel works. Entity. Angel's I good. love loving yes. entity. Entity is good. Yes, a loving entity is beautiful. But yeah. just so people are clear, I hold the belief, and I know Jacqueline does too, is that mm. you know death is merely just a transition. So these the boy's mother, she hasn't she hasn't gone anywhere. Just the physical has sipped away. So keep, so tell us what what does that look like as you've been bringing her in? Well, you know, and one of the things I realized I needed to do as well is that I needed to let her in when she passed away to say, have their back. But recently I actually needed to ask her to let them go because there was an attachment to her not being present in their life physically and an attachment to her death that was one of the kids was struggling with Mm. and also the experience that she had because whether we like it or not you know in in this form my children did come from her so whatever she had in her physical form does get transferred through words we can use like epigenetics also spirituality also energetic values that get transferred into a child as well akashic, and sometimes akashic records we could get oh, just go akashic just put all the, See, all the that's, words put in it there. all out there <laughs> i try to i try to dumb this all down for everybody we've, we've opened the can of worms so exactly. now we'll just release it exactly so so you know that's a lot of the work that i've got to do with the kids and so i i've asked for that help you know from her as well is that let them go enough so that so that you can be there for them, but don't hold them back. And, you know, that that's a push and pull energetically where sometimes I feel like my love is so strong and I'm trying to pull them a bit out of that for them that holds them uh, in place in life. And I feel like sometimes she's given them a little bit, little bit of a tug too, right? And so I'm coming to peace with that so that they can come to peace with it as well. And, and it's a different challenge, but we just need to remember that biologically or not, we have that ability in a physical presence, you know, every cell in our body has energy in it. Consciousness you know, you can has consciousness. It has consciousness and, and an energetic, mm-hmm. uh, um, I can't remember what it is, but there's actually an, an energetic value to every single cell yeah. in our body. And we have trillions of cells. And when you take all of that energy and consciousness we have a huge amount of power, yep. like not, a huge amount and, of power to affect everything, so much. everything, not just, everything. not just external elements, but our own healing ability, right? We often get Completely. stuck. And this is again, just a theme that we hit on in a lot, a lot here on the podcast. We, you know, I want to, I talk about the love piece and the cosmic love piece. One of the main goals of it when people come to see me is to help them heal through chronic, chronic pain. Right. And people yeah. wonder how could I do this? It's because I've one, come to you for that. Yeah. <laughs> Because, because one, you have, you have this an unlimited potential, a resource I would give here for people interested in that exact thing that, that Jacqueline is speaking about, the potential energy level, a book called Regenerate by Syed G, S-A-Y-E-R-J-I. And he talks about the new science coming out, actually showing that the, the junk DNA or the, or the blank space in between the cellular structures of what we are, isn't really junk or blank, but it is full of this potential that you speak of. That's right. But Jacqueline, I have a question bubbling up here that I want to make sure we hit on before I, I want to shift to a couple more questions before we finish. And it was going back to, you talked about the ancestral connection, even with adopted children. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, and I, it's kind of a trick question because I, I already feel you, I know the answer and you know the answer, but I want <laughs> you to say it for people listening. What, what is the thing that has allowed you to connect to them so deeply that now you are impacting their biology? What do you think is the thing that has, you know, I think of the image of you just, they come into your world and then you just have this like Velcro connection where you're together. What is what is that? What is causing that? What's your opinion? You know, I, I can say it as simply as it's love. It's, it's when we say love is the most healing energy in the world, it truly is. Because we see this in science. 
we see this proven again and again. But here's always the kicker that everybody thinks is that it's me loving the kids. It's not me loving the kids. It's me loving me. It's me knowing and understanding the energetic love that I am. Because when you understand that, and it doesn't mean that I look in the mirror every day and I think I look fabulous. It doesn't mean that every day I go to the gym and I'm not having a fat day. It's none, none of that. It's a knowing that I'm so much more than what anybody physically sees. And this is just in this moment, a little fun I'm having on this planet in this particular body I've been given. You use it as the the car analogy, right? I've hopped into this car and I'm driving it around for this time around. When you begin to understand that and you can feel it. And people will sometimes say to me, it's like, how do you know? You know, because there's such a, a deep connection inside of yourself. And I don't even mean like inside my body. It's like, knowing it's, it's beyond that. It's yeah. this knowing yeah. where I don't care what religious person ever came to me, what spiritual leader, I, it doesn't matter to me. It's what I know inside of myself, yeah. but it's something we develop and it's, yeah. it's an awareness that we are open to. And honestly, we talk about this a lot. And this has been the cool thing about 365 give for me is it's a practice yeah. as well. Muscle. Because there's, yeah, there's days like 365 give was about giving every day, being of service every day. It was about giving love every day for a year. Yep. And all I did was unconditionally give love every day. I didn't think about it that way at the time. But now after my aha uh-huh moments, I went, oh, Jesus, that was, a, it was my spiritual practice. I didn't even yep. know I was doing and that's. That's the key here. I want people to hear. You so said it's, cool. you said it's your, it was your spiritual practice. This is right. one of the main goals. Again, I keep, I've said this a few times in this episode today, but this is I want this to be clear for everyone. This is one of the main goals of the episode of the episode and the podcast in general is seeing that love is so much more than just a fleeting emotional experience. Love is an embodiment. And what yeah. you just talked about, Jacqueline, of practicing it embodying it in a in an act of self-love in an act of external love mm. with someone that is what shifts us from oh i feel love momentarily in a, in the presence of my mom in the presence of my lover to oh right. i am love i am right and that potential that we've been talking about today comes from there it's a spiritual recognition right. I, I want to in this moment before yep. you move Go. on I, you know you taught me this and i want people to hear this because it's so important And it was the moment that I recognized, and I tied this into 365 Give as well, and you taught me these words. And when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I say to myself before my head even comes off the pillow is, if love was a human being, what would love think, what would love say, and what would love do? And I say that every day when I wake up or if I'm having a bad moment in the day or I'm not sure what my decision is or if I'm in a confrontation with somebody or with my kid or somebody on the phone, it's the first thing I say to myself because then you know you are being of service first to yourself because you've made that choice to choose love first and then that's what you want to put out to the world. And imagine if everybody on this planet did that for just one day, that they chose being, acting, saying, thinking, and doing like love would. 7.7 billion people, all in tandem for just one day, we would change the world in one day. At least. (laughs) At least we would change the world. I'm happy that you shared that, Jacqueline, and you know, it's something that when people come to see me at first, what it does is it helps us get out of our head. A lot of us don't spend time in the heart space because we're spending too much time in the head space. And I'm not here to bash that the head, the mind, the ego serves a very important role. And like any part of us deserves to be loved, but to be seen for what it does and what it doesn't do. And when we can 
act from a place of love. We're not acting from that ego mind. We're acting from that heart place. And when we act from that heart place, the heart is the seat of the soul. So it's a space and place in which we connect going full circle to what we talked about at the start of the conversation to something higher than ourselves. We connect to a belief and a recognition and a remembering that we've always been something more than what our little self restricts us in. With that, Jacqueline, I want to, I have two questions left for you. And this, this, this second last one here is potentially a rabbit hole. So we'll try and keep it. We'll, I try and keep it relatively short because I know it's, but I want to give it, I want to give action items here. And the question connects to we're recording this, you know, March, April, 2022. And in the world at the moment, there is, you know, we're just getting out of COVID, you know, some, some, some places in the world are still experiencing what's everything that's doing, happening with it. And we're also experiencing what's happening in Europe, in the Ukraine. And my question here for you, Jacqueline, connected to everything we're talking about today with love, with our spiritual connection, with our realization that we are part of a collective and a group. What can we do as individuals to serve and support others who are going through pain right now? You know, it's really interesting. And you know this, Harrison, um, this past weekend, I had that conversation with someone because we were both struggling a little bit being here in Canada. And it was like, what do we do? What do we do? How can we do something? We felt like we wanted to go to action. And obviously we cannot fly to the Ukraine to go and help. So, you know, but this also happened. Here's the interesting part. This also happened when the world went into lockdown over COVID. Everybody went, what can I do? And if you actually look through history, whenever there is a major world disaster of any kind, you know, COVID obviously for the entire world, and now you, Ukraine. The fascinating part about this is you can watch the best of humanity coming out. As we watched COVID, oh, when COVID first happened and the world shut down, what were the beautiful images we were getting? People in Italy on their balconies playing music for their neighbors. Clubhouse, Across Clubhouse the was world. created. Clubhouse was created across the world. Everybody at seven o'clock at night going out and banging their pots and pans, the church bells going, right? We, everybody, what were the, the acts of kindness we could do? Painted rocks out on our, out on our doorsteps, hearts in our windows, right? And now Ukraine. And here was the beautiful thing. And Clubhouse was formed a place, like talk about world manifestation, a place where people could come together when they were in lockdown. We could hear each other's voices. We could listen with big open hearts. We could learn from each other. We could grow together. We could come together with no borders, no age, no race, no religion, you could come as you were and you still can today, create an algorithm, which is exactly places and spaces that you wanna go into, build friendships and relationships, have conversations that make a difference and matter in our world. We held a space called Love for Ukraine because we wanted to come together with like-minded people from all over the world if for no other reason than to hold a space of love for Ukraine. So if you didn't have money, it was okay. You didn't have to come and donate. If you wanted to just share a poem, a mantra, a prayer, a meditation, you could come into that space and hold that space of love. And we had almost 500 people come through the room to do that, to open their heart and say, how can I do something? And I could give love from the center of who I was and share that with the world. And then in that, share ways to give. You could sign a petition, you could donate money, you could go on a march. And we shared all these beautiful resources with people from all over the world on how you could give and we could all be of service. And then that changes the energy and we see it now on social media and we see how that change and, and that shift is creating 
in the good news that's coming out and the ways you can give and the ways you can support and the ways you can show love to people we don't even know. Isn't that the magic? That we're all coming together to love Ukraine and send them love from all over the world and we don't know any of them. But Jacqueline, to maybe summarize what you just said, because I was listening to you and you just sharing a lot of beautiful love and examples, but I want people to take action from what you just said. So let me see if I can summarize it and see if you agree. It sounds like what you're saying is that we need to realize that the, 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 the challenging, painful suffering moments are very real things, but we also simultaneously at the same time have to realize that again, with the theme of what we've been talking about here today, that we have the power inside of ourselves as the individual to be the change that we want to see in the world. And as that, as that individual, if we take that action, if we, if we believe how much loving potential we actually truly have inside of us, then we can impact the collective by our single choices. And it's from those single choices, we can attract other people to do the same. So did I, did I summarize it? Did I get it correct? Yeah, perfectly. <laughs> perfectly. But we can do that every day. Yes. We don't have to wait for a Ukraine. Yes. We don't have to wait for a COVID. Those are the actions that we can take. And that's when we talk about what would love do? Love would act. Yep. Love would be of service to the world every single day. And it doesn't matter how small it is because giving love is so simple. A three-year-old can do it. Yep. And science shows it and research shows it. But most importantly, it's the everyday human being who goes out and creates that moment of love for another person that changes another's heart. And in changing that heart, that's the beautiful collective ripple right? That goes out and we can talk science and we can talk about how that changes your body. It changes your chemical reactions that happen in your body, all of it, right? It's called oxytocin and it flows right out of your body. And we can talk about this from a physical perspective, but let's talk about it from the unity perspective. Let's talk about it from the perspective of we are all one. I love it, Jacqueline. And it kind of, it kind of feels redundant here because we've excellent (laughs) let's talk about it again and again and again until all 7.7 billion people get it (laughs) and you're right and you're right the redundancy needs to continue until we know it right until we feel it and this is you know when i say redundant my my last question here for you jacqueline and i want to thank you for joining me here today having this loving discussion beautiful souls if you have felt pulled to jacqueline's voice her love her 365 give movement what i'm going to do is I'll grab some details off you, Jacqueline, and I'll put it in the show notes. So if you are the listener, you want to connect, you want to tune in to more of Jacqueline, please check her out. You can also follow me on Clubhouse. We spend a lot of time speaking together. But my redundant, not so redundant question, Jacqueline, and maybe people have maybe put it together already what your opinion is. But my last question here for you is the power that we've been alluding to is this love word. So Jacqueline, how would you define L-O-V-E? Oh, isn't that so fun? Somebody else, we just had that discussion today and that exact question came up. <laughs> That's so fun. I love that. I would describe love as the energetic source of all there is. I could describe it as an emotion. I could describe it as a interaction between two people, but I don't think that interaction between two people could possibly exist if love wasn't the source of everything, of all there is. It's the energetic force that starts before you ever take your first breath. It's the energetic force that's all around us. It's the energetic force that created this planet and our experiences. Love is all there is. A beautiful, loving, little full stop on the end of this conversation. Jacqueline, I love you very much. Thank you for joining me for this chat. Thank you for coming on to this podcast and platform that I'm 
building and expanding day by day, week by week. I appreciate you. I cannot wait to spend more time with you. Beautiful listener out there in the podcast world. I hope you got some value. I hope you got some insight. I hope you connected deeper into your cosmic love antenna. I'm wishing you a wonderful morning, evening, and night wherever you are in the world. We both love you unconditionally. Have a wonderful evening and we're out. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow Harrison on Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at Harrison Ma. That's Harrison, M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric acid.